Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivulani. We're going to learn about a company on today's show that sits at an intersection of three huge trends in U.S. healthcare. The unending growth in the number of people with chronic conditions, the advent of new virtual healthcare technologies, and moving more care into the home. Chris Alchek is founder and CEO of Cadence, a remote care management platform that helps physicians bring more responsive care to patients in the comfort of their own homes. He previously launched and sold an internet media company and worked at Goldman Sachs and the White House. And Chris and I go way back actually to the days of being undergraduates at Harvard, where we were introduced by a gentleman named Ryan Travia as part of the Drug and Alcohol Peer Advisor Program. So Chris, it's great to connect with you and see all the great work you're doing with Cadence. Shiv, thank you and congrats on all your success. Excited to be here. Well, again, thanks for joining us. And so, uh, you know, I know a lot about your background, having having been friends with you for a number of years. Uh, but for our audience, uh, do you mind giving us some of your career highlights? And as I mentioned, Cadence is not the first company you launched and ran. So you've become sort of a serial entrepreneur, actually. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about career highlights, but I'll, I'll tell you my story, which is I started my first company in 2011. It was a, a consumer internet company called Mike, mission-driven company. Uh, I learned a lot through that experience. I think we were 23, 24 when we founded it. Um, we ended up selling in 2018. I learned a lot through that experience, including building a, a, a lasting company takes at least a decade. So you, you better be really excited about it. Uh, I also learned that building mission-driven companies is a lot more fun and rewarding and meaningful and much better for attracting super high quality talent to your company. Um, and then I learned a lot about management and business models through that experience. And after Mike was over, I knew I wanted to build something else and take those lessons learned to a new space. And uh, I had been lucky, grew up in a family of doctors, um, married to a doctor and uh, sibling is a doctor. And so healthcare has sort of always spoken to me and it very much felt like uh, this is back in 2018 that, you know, if there was a place to spend the next 15, 20 years building that, that the intersection of technology and healthcare would be it. Um, so I joined Thrive Capital, a venture firm in New York as an entrepreneur in residence. You know, that was an awesome experience. They've uh, both funded and co-founded a number of successful health tech companies and um, have uh, large and ongoing existing relationships with some very interesting health and progressive health systems. So I got to spend a couple of years just learning as much as possible about, you know, both the business and the mechanics of health technology companies. Um, and in 2020, we launched Cadence. It you know, has been a whirlwind journey since then, and you know, it has just been so much fun and so rewarding. And and you know, I'm just very grateful for for these opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a, a couple of threads to to pull on there. I mean, obviously the. 10-year time frame is interesting. Uh, it does seem like there's a pattern uh, among great mission-driven companies that, that took about 10 years to reach fruition. Um, there's a, this great quote you may know of, I'm positive you do, from uh, Mara's Law, it's called, uh, which is, people overestimate the impact of technology within the first year and underestimate its impact within 10 years. And, and Bill Gates paraphrased it to say the same thing. You overestimate what you can accomplish within one year and underestimate what you can do in 10 because of the power of compounding, you have no idea where things will take you. And that's certainly been our experience at Osmosis in terms of the growth we've had. That's exactly right. And, you know, in any of these industries, you have you have cycles that move fast. And if you're going to build an enduring company, you're going to need to build something that uh, survives and thrives both in the upswings and the downswings. And 
normally over 10 years, you get at least a couple of those in, in the tech space. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so going into Cadence, you launched it in 2020, a very interesting time for U.S. healthcare. Can you talk to us about the founding story and, and then what makes Cadence different than, uh, than other remote care or uh, at-home companies? Yeah, so I was very passionate about how, how could we bring data uh, from devices, wearables, um, and other sensors in the home and use that to help providers and health systems and hospitals deliver world-class care uh, outside of the four walls of the hospital. That was, that was the problem that I was most interested in and got lucky enough to get paired and introduced with our, our chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Ted Feldman, who's a practicing cardiologist in South Florida. And we started spending a lot of time on remote patient monitoring and you know, both learning from many of the clinical successes that uh, a lot of academic medical centers have proven over the last two decades, really showing that um, the connectivity of receiving patient vitals and symptoms uh, from patients on a, on a daily or weekly basis can uh, provide very, very meaningful data for clinicians who are trying to uh, manage patients towards guidelines for some of the most common chronic conditions in the U.S. And the clinical studies and the clinical foundation for remote monitoring is, is really, really strong and, and now more than a decade old. But what we really wanted to spend time on is, you know, we know these programs can work and, and we know the science behind them is really sound. And we know that in heart failure, if you can get a patient to follow GDMT, guideline-directed medical therapy, you can have a very meaningful impact on both near-term and long-term health outcomes. Similar trends exist for type 2 diabetes and hypertension and COPD. Um, and despite that, uh, there are very few remote monitoring platforms that have scaled beyond several hundred patients at some of the largest hospital systems in the country. And so that was the problem we focused on. You know, how do we take this new technology where the cost has come down and reimbursement has become more widespread? And how do we make it something that's, you know, historically only scaled to a couple hundred or a thousand patients in some academic medical centers to tens or hundreds of thousands of patients who could really benefit from this level of connectivity and this level of responsive care in the home. Um, and it felt like we we're at the intersection of, of three big trends. You know, one, how do we take care of patients at home because it's better patient experience and ultimately lower cost Two. What kind of technology do health systems and providers need to make this big transition? And then three, how do we focus these efforts on the four chronic conditions that are you know, disproportionately having negative impacts on clinical outcomes, people's lives, and, and the cost of healthcare in the US? Um, and so that was, that's what we focused on. We took a very first principles approach to hospital system operations and clinic operations and really solving this problem end-to-end -end for our partners. Um, and we were, we were lucky enough to partner with a, a progressive health system called LifePoint that's based in 29 states and has uh, you know, over 50 hospitals and really build a solution with and for them um, with the target of, of supporting 100,000 patients concurrently. And it's been you know, an incredible experience. We've got a you know, whole other set of partners now that we're working with. Um, but you know, the spirit has stayed consistent, which is you know, delivering this everyday care to patients in the home in a way that's seamless, easy, uh, and truly responsive.
That's awesome. That's so again, we're going to dive deeper into exactly what that looks like. And, you know, going back to that uh, first comment I made after your, your intro about how things take longer than we expect, but once you stick it out and survive some of the downturns, you know, you have a, a chance of building an enduring company. Um, similarly, there's this Gardner hype cycle, which you, I'm sure you've heard. And, you know, digital health went through this. I remember being at TED Med in 2012 and 2013, debuted something called the smartphone physical in 2013, where we had all these devices ranging from, uh, you know, the Alive Core ECG. We had Dave Albert. I'm sure you know him. He's out in LA too. Um, cardiologist, a very good remote patient monitoring success story actually now. But there was a lot of hype around these devices back then, almost a decade ago. And then, you know, we didn't hear much about them or telemedicine for a little bit. There was a dis zone of disillusionment. But then with the pandemic and just kind of the natural cycle, you know, costs going down, patients being more willing to have this, providers knowing that digital health is here to stay and that, you know, it's gotten cheap enough where it isn't just reaching the worried well, people who can afford Fitbits and things like that, but but the, the average consumer who has these chronic conditions, who may be in lower socioeconomic status, it, it's a really exciting time to be in the remote patient monitoring space. Uh, would you agree on that? I would say it's really exciting because we believe remote monitoring and virtual care is going to become the standard of care for how you treat patients with these chronic conditions over the next five to 10 years. Um, and I think you're exactly right. It's an intersection of all the trends you talked about, as well as this hard work that a lot of clinical scientists and researchers have done to really prove um, the value of close monitoring and close medication management and close coaching of patients with these chronic conditions. You know, we now have great therapeutics for a lot of these conditions. If we can keep patients both, you know, prescribed and adhering to uh, the best treatment plans. And so that, you know, combination of everything you just discussed, the uptick from providers being more interested in it, the uptick of patients being more amenable to this type of care, the costs coming down, uh, the science really lining up. And I would say, you know, the last piece has been really making this easy for both patients and providers is I think now only possible because of some of the technology advances. And we really believe that like technology is only as good as it is usable. And, you know, we all in the health technology ecosystem need to stay focused on building efficient infrastructure um, that allows physicians, you know, our belief is that it allows physicians to deliver much better care to a much larger number of people. And if we stay very, very focused on that and on usability and ease of use, and not creating more burden for clinicians uh, and not designing complex patient experiences that you know, your average uh, patient who's 75 years old in a community anywhere in the US can't, if they can't interface with your technology, then it's probably not gonna have as big of an impact as, as we would hope. Um, and so those are the types of themes that we really think about and, and, and hone in at Cadence. And I think that's allowed us to at least start to show that this really works. That's awesome. Well, I would love to get into uh, kind of what that actual experience is like for patients and providers, if you can kind of walk through you know, a new patient or provider on the Cadence platform. On the patient side, these programs are integrated into their existing primary care and cardiology clinics and relationships. And so, you know, we've, we've got a number of really successful clinics in North Carolina. Um, you're seeing your PCP that you've been seeing for a decade or two decades who you really trust and um, who you have a great relationship with, that PCP or her office recommends that you join their new remote monitoring program. You can get your 
devices at home or in the clinic and they show up already configured to you. They're connected via cell, so you don't need a smartphone and the data transmits automatically every time you take a reading. As a patient, you get taught that for less than 30 seconds a day, um, you can have the peace of mind knowing that your care team is checking in on you and making sure that your vitals look good. The patient then you know, gets communication from us uh, via text message or phone, depending on what they prefer. And we've got various setups for virtual care where uh, for some of our provider partners who need support, uh, we've got fully licensed teams of medical doctors, nurse practitioners, uh, RNs, MAs who are supporting our clinician partners, looking at alerts, engaging with patients, um, and even titrating medications according to protocols on an ongoing basis to make sure that the care these patients are receiving is, is world-class. If, and you know, this happens frequently because we've got a, a relatively uh, sick patient population, um, but if a patient's decompensating and we see that early in the vitals, we'll make sure that we're escalating that to our clinician partners and following the appropriate escalation pathways that they want us to take. And so it's been really promising so far. We've been seeing that we've been able to help patients avoid costly ER visits, lengthy stays in the hospital. Um, we've seen you know, market improvement in quality of life. And you know, we'll be sharing a lot of this data shortly, but the clinical outcomes are really, really promising so far. And you know, I, I want to stress that this is tech that's optimized for seniors. 30% of our patient population doesn't even have a cell phone uh, and a meaningful number of have a flip phone, not a smartphone. Um, and so the fact that these programs work and this connectivity is able to, to really get deployed at scale for these patient populations is, is incredibly promising for you know, the future of, of hopefully increasing access to care across the U.S. That's really key. And we've, we've had people talk about the, the silver tsunami that's coming. Alan Patrickoff is the founder of Graycroft and now Primetime Partners. He's one of our major backers at Osmosis. And he was on the podcast early on talking about investing in companies that are specifically designed around this use case. And certainly that's something, you know, Cadence is addressing. And so one of the things I remember in the zone of disillusionment for remote patient monitoring back then in 2014 to 2017 era was physicians, you talk to them, many of them don't know what to do with patient-generated health data. I think obviously that's changed a lot as we've gone to more value-based medicine, which is another another kind of trend coming out of the pandemic. But can you talk to us about the experience of uh, for providers, uh, many of our audience will be your future uh, providers who adopt Cadence and use Cadence with, you know, their catchment areas. You know, why should they switch to Cadence? What's the experience like for them? This is probably this the area where we spend the most time is how do we make the provider experience truly seamless? Um, you know, if you're a primary care physician in a busy clinic, you might be seeing, you know, 15 to 20 patients a day, sometimes even more. You've got a patient panel of, you know, 1,000 to 3,000 patients and you're really, really busy, you know, many times you end the day and you've got 200 messages in your inbox. And so the sort of maybe old school way of, hey, let's sign up a bunch of patients for remote monitoring, stick the data in the MR and just have the physician and their MA be responsible is, is not a realistic ask for you know, overburdened clinicians who, who have a lot of work to do uh, already. And so what we've tried to design is a model where um, we can be an extension of your clinical team and we can manage patients according to guidelines and protocols that you approve and you agree to, um, and really only escalate the things that require your attention 
but the routine day-to-day stuff can be handled by us. And that really empowers physicians to practice at the top of their license. That empowers them to use the time they have in person with patients on the most meaningful, difficult issues. And if there's a hypertension patient who needs close monitoring and up titration of their blood pressure medications, that can be handled remotely and virtually so that next time the patient comes into the clinic, um, you know, the, the, the PCP can really address some of the root cause issues. That's the spirit of what we do. And so far it's really worked. It, it's flexible. Every physician, you know, has different levels of comfort with care management teams. And so um, we've really designed this to help patients get this much more responsive, personalized care every day without creating more burden. And actually, in, in, you know, in many cases, reducing burden on clinicians because, you know, a lot of the messages that they're currently getting from these patients in off hours and throughout the day um, are now being handled by the appropriate person on the care management team. And so it's very much this, this evolution towards team-based care where you know, the PCP, we believe the PCP and the cardiologist and the endocrinologist should be at the center directing the care, but should have a lot more resources to be able to deliver this. And that's both technology and clinical teams. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think that viewing it as a physician extender or, or clinician extender is, is wonderful and having that that level of data and, and the extension is important. Elsevier released this great Clinician of the Future report, which I'll make sure to send you. Uh, over 8,000 clinicians across 150 countries were surveyed, and the, the vast majority of them said digital health and remote patient monitoring are here to stay, just like telehealth. And so um, I think there's definitely a more, more willing provider population you guys are going after. Plus, obviously, as the workforce ages and changes, um, you'll have a lot of these digital natives, people who are seeking experiences that are as seamless as what, what you're building here at Cadence that they have with Mint or Credit Karma or those kind of uh, fintech kind of companies that have, have won over the past decade. Um, so that's great to hear. And, and I think, I mean, on those points, I think what's important is all of the physicians we work with and we talk to and all the physicians listening to this, I mean, they're really, really good at understanding how to manage chronic conditions. They know that you know, small medication titrations can have a huge impact on a patient's outcomes. They know that close coaching on whether it's nutrition or maybe your health can have a really big impact. Um, but a lot of times they don't have the time or the, the connectivity to be able to do that on a regular basis. And so intuitively, what we found is physicians really get it and they want to do it. And it's just a question of giving them the tools and resources to be successful at it uh, because it, you know, people understand it's the right thing to do. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and also now there's, you know, policies being catching up, you know, because COVID forced remote patient monitoring and telehealth as well. So speaking of COVID, uh, RPM, value-based medicine, uh, telehealth, these are all trends that have come out of COVID or been accelerated by COVID. Uh, do you mind commenting a bit about, you know, we're still in the pandemic, things are looking up hopefully, and we'll continue that way. But what are some of the other things that we could be doing to strengthen our healthcare system? Or as we say at Osmosis, raise the line. Yeah, I mean, our thesis is that health systems have largely been on the sidelines of the revolution in digital care over the last decade. And we believe that COVID threw them right in the middle of it and that you know they are now taking a much more central role in driving digital care forward. And, and we think that's the right thing that, that health systems, large hospital systems and their providers you know, should be the central players in the next evolution or revolution in digital care. And, and COVID forced them to do that. 
but you know now we're seeing very widespread you know both demand and adoption uh, by health systems for solutions that allow them to deliver robust ongoing care remotely partially that's there's been so many dynamics that have you know made this you know much more meaningful to to these systems but also and i think most meaningfully um, it's consumer and patient expectations around how healthcare is delivered you know have changed um, and I think there's there's no turning back the clock on this. Um, and we're excited to see providers who, you know, historically have pushed back against this now, now really be the ones driving it forward. Yeah, which is often oftentimes the best advocates are the ones who previously were critics. As you know, Osmosis is a teaching company, and we love to fill in knowledge gaps and create videos and courses. You know, if you could snap your fingers and have a video or course for any population you care about, whether that's the patients, their family members, or the providers, what what topic would you like us to educate them on? I think that the topic that would be most interesting is change, and at least for me, change in healthcare um, and behavior change in healthcare. How do you align incentives between patients, providers? Uh, health systems and payers. And, you know, understanding that we all have so many good ideas for um, how healthcare innovation can move forward and and what the future of healthcare is, but we really need to make sure, you know, those four groups uh, are aligned. And that, that's been one of the things that, you know, I've, I was lucky enough for somebody to teach me some of those concepts early. And I come back to them often that, you know, for us to truly be successful, we need to be adding value, most importantly, to patients' lives, but equally importantly to providers' lives uh, and to their health systems and to payers and the total cost of care. And so, um, you know, that alignment and then managing change through those four key stakeholders, I think is, um, you know, one of the things that I am reminded of on a daily basis. And for the next generation of physicians and healthcare leaders who are you're going to be building the future, I think that could be really valuable. Yeah, that's certainly some uh, some wise counsel. And then on that same topic, you know, we have an audience of millions of current and future healthcare professionals who mostly skew towards the the, the younger generation, as you know, just given our roots starting this when, when I was a medical student at Johns Hopkins. Um, what's your advice to them about meeting the challenges of uh, the COVID pandemic and, and beyond approaching their whole career in healthcare, whether it's on the clinical side or on the entrepreneurial side, as, as you've done? I, I will hesitate to give any advice on the clinical side. I think my wife or my sister would remind me that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but I think on the entrepreneurial side, you know, I'll say that we've had the privilege of partnering with now a large number of physicians, both as advisors and, and team members at Cadence, and you know, all the way up to you know, very senior professors of cardiology who've been practicing for 35 years to you know, one of our medical advisors is actually a, a resident at John Hopkins. Um, and he's been gigantically valuable towards the development of our product. Um, and I just, I would say for, for those, clinicians who are interested in health technology. It's never too early to get involved in startups. Your voice really matters and your expertise is, is really deep and really meaningful. In our case, to our software engineers and our product managers and the people that are putting together the clinical team, um, you know, these, these physicians, both young and old, have had a very big impact on the company. Absolutely. I would echo that. And, and you know, the digital health space is big. There's a a renaissance, a revolution here. So people who are listening who are interested in it, um, folks like Chris are leading the way and it's good to get in touch with with them and find ways to add value to those companies because ultimately they'll be shaping, helping shape the healthcare system that you practice in. 
Uh, I know we're at time, so my last question, Chris, is is there anything else you want our audience to know about you, about Cadence, about the space that you'd like to leave them with? Yeah, I think I'll say we're just at the very early days here. Um, if you fast forward five to 10 years, the types of devices, the types of sensors we're going to have um, are going to be really, really interesting, I believe. And I think hopefully with the partnership of many of the people uh, that are listening today, we're going to be able to use this data from patients at home across a very wide array of diseases and conditions, and hopefully you know, achieve this goal of making sure that everybody in the U.S. can receive the highest quality world-class healthcare in whatever zip code they're, they're in. Um, and I, I think we are really moving towards that future. And I, I actually don't, I don't think it's 10 years out. I think it's closer to five years out. Um, and I'm excited to, to hopefully partner with this next generation of physicians on this. Those are some great, great words to end on and a, a wonderful vision to strive towards. So hopefully we'll be closer to that five instead of that 10, uh, given all that's going on. So with that, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. And more importantly, for the work that you're doing to, to drive healthcare forward through Cadence. Shiv, I really appreciate it. And um, thank you so much. With that, I'm Shiv Viglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.